This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. Welcome to In Legal Terms. Our show is all about you and your rights. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Hello, Professor Gershon. Good morning, Liz. I hope you've had a good start to your week. And I'm excited football season has started, and I, I think you are too as a, a University of Texas graduate. But but like the holidays, football season uh, means more people drinking and, and sometimes making the mistake of driving afterwards. So today we're pleased to welcome back attorney Francis Springer to talk about uh, you know what to do when you're pulled over and what are your rights if you're accused of a DUI. Francis, good morning. And please tell us again about your background and and your police training, you were, you you know, you were a police officer. Uh, how, how do you use that police training in your law practice? Oh, good morning. And again, I appreciate you inviting me to be here again. It's always great. It's a great show. Oh, uh, it's really, my experience, I've been practicing now for a little over 12 years practicing law. And that's about how long I was a deputy sheriff. So it's been interesting. There's some pros and cons, obviously, to that. Uh, sometimes... I feel like I may see something different than than someone else, but I think where that really I've got to be careful with that is with a jury, because a lot of times I see something and it, it fits in my mind of what it is, but that's from my experience, so I have to back up and say, wait a minute, what does somebody that's not been there think? And uh, that's probably been my most recent learning experience, uh, but it's but it's definitely one. But as far as DUI, I'm very familiar with uh, field sobriety, the intoxilizer. Uh, at least the operations of the intoxilators, not the internals. But uh, those kind of things can come in. Like I say, some are pros and some can be cons. But I, but I think you got you have that perspective that a lot of lawyers don't don't have. I mean, certainly I don't have, especially when you're talking about the issues that we're going to be covering today, uh, dealing with uh, you know traffic traffic stops and DUI and uh, and DUI defense. So, can I, let's start with just what what do police look for? when they're deciding whether even to make a traffic stop? Uh, there, there are a number of things that they, they would look for. Uh, one of the things that, that we used to be our philosophy and, and really prove is most criminals travel in cars. They're not walking. Uh, there's no other way around. So there's a lot of criminal activity that's discovered by traffic stops. And that's one reason a lot of officers are kind of defensive when they're on a traffic stop is they don't know who they're pulling over and what's on that person's mind. But generally, they'll look for violations of law, either uh, not coming to a complete stop at a stop sign, uh, not using a turn signal when making a turn, uh, having lights out, brake lights out, one brake light out, one headlight out, uh, anything like that that gives them uh, reasonable suspicion to pull a vehicle over, uh, and definitely if they have probable cause for a violation of law. So what are my rights from a lawyer's perspective, and you know, thinking about a client, when I am pulled over, do I what what rights do I have, and, and you know, how should I behave at that point? When you get pulled over by an officer, there, there may be going through your mind that I didn't do anything wrong. You know, why am I being stopped? Why do I have to cooperate with this when I don't feel like I've done anything wrong? And you may be correct. 
Maybe it's uh, something the officer uh, perceived that was wrong that wasn't. But that's not the place to argue it. That's not the place to have court. The best thing to do is to do what the officer says, obviously within reason, you know, as long as it's it's something that's this rational, reasonable. But that officer has a lot of authority and it has a law on his side or, or her side uh, to enforce the law. So the best thing to do is to do what the officer says. Don't make any quick uh, what's called furtive movements under the seat, glove compartment, anything like that. Just kind of sit there, hands on the steering wheel, and uh, just say, officer, uh, what can I do for you? Uh, you, know, uh, you know, before we get, you know, we'll get into DUI later, but one of the things that, that uh, sometimes happens here on a Saturday night in Oxford is there'll be uh, police will set up, uh, you know, a, a roadblock basically to stop everyone uh, just to do a check. Is is that is that something legal? It is. It is. Uh, it, it, it's something that that may seem like it's not legal because there's no real individual reasonable suspicion or probable cause to stop the driver. But as long as it's done in a uniform manner, uh, there are two different types of checks basically that the courts look at. One's a DUI checkpoint or sobriety checkpoint, and the other's a general safety checkpoint. And the sobriety checkpoint is strictly for impaired drivers. Of course, if they see anything else, you know, they can enforce on that. And the same goes for the safety checkpoint. It's not nearly as, as structurally demanding and set up. It's basically just check for license, tag, uh, make sure the equipment of the vehicle is working. And of course, if an uh, impaired driver comes through, they're going to be stopped for that. So those are really the two only legal avenues law enforcement can take as far as uh, traffic stops. Oh, excuse Excuse me, as far as roadblocks, is, for lack of a better term, they can't just do a general criminal roadblock, just stopping looking for a criminal, narcotics. That's not legal. I have a question yeah. um, about when you are – the things that are uh, stoppable for a uh, – like a primary stop and things that they can get you for if they've already stopped you um, – so with with drinking, if if they suspect that you've been drinking, is is that a, a primary reason? You know, you don't have to have been speeding. You don't have to have had a the turn signal or the light or anything. Is is that something they could stop you up because of maybe erratic behavior? If the officer can establish uh, that he's got reasonable suspicion that the driver is is drinking or impaired. Uh, then yes, they could stop. But usually it's going to be, if you have that, you're going to have some type of, of violation to give probable cause to the stop. But say you know, officer sees somebody walk out, get in a car, they're stumbling, they don't violate the law, they stop and pull out. They could still do that because they have reason to believe that person is inebriated in driving. You know, someone stopped, uh, let's say they, they don't use the turn signal or they, uh, you know, have a, a taillight out. And then the police, when they stop them, observe then those narcotics that you talked about. You know, let's say they've got uh, some cocaine in the car with them visible right there. Can they be arrested, you know, even though that was not the reason they were stopped? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Anything that can be seen or, or detected through the five senses, as long as the officer has a right to be where that officer is, 
uh, they can act on that, uh, just as anybody else could look in the vehicle uh, and see the contraband, uh, so can the officer. So police officers aren't limited just because they're law enforcement as to what they can see and 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 do in that regard. Uh, and as far as stopping, they have to have probable cause or reasonable suspicion to stop someone. But once they have that, if they detect other criminal activities, they can follow that wherever it takes them. Now, what about you know what about something in the trunk? What if you know um, you know God forbid I you know I, I get pulled over, I got my my blinker's not working. And I've got somebody tied up in my trunk, and, and but you know they're not making any noise, not making any sound, uh, and I wouldn't do that. But could they could they search my trunk even though I, they pulled me over just for you know a turn signal or a taillight? No, generally not not without your consent. Uh, if they ask you, hey, can I look in your trunk? And you say, well, sure. You know, you pop it open. That would be legal because that's consent. But if they say, hey, I want to look in your trunk, and you're like, well, no, I don't think you need to. You know, what's your reasonable suspicion? Uh, they need to articulate that. They don't necessarily have to. And if it goes further without reasonable suspicion or what they can can come up with is reasonable, articulable suspicion, they've got to be able to describe it. Uh, they could be violating your constitutional rights at that point. I guess typically it's a search. We, they need a warrant. Is that the... Uh they need a warrant. That's a little different with a vehicle because the court sees a vehicle as something that can be uh, that travels easily. You know, it's not in a, a stationary location like a, a building would be. But uh, generally, the rule of thumb is if there's time to get a warrant, they should get a warrant. But there are exceptions, and uh, there are vehicle exceptions that really. With probable cause, they could go bumper to bumper through the vehicle, uh, particularly if they do make an arrest of the driver. They're pretty much unlimited where they can search. Well, one thing, you know, we, uh, you know, if somebody has a legal firearm in their car, let's say they're pulled over again, you know, typical traffic stop, you know, speeding or uh, taillight out. Um, should I let the police know about my, my legal firearm in my car? It, it's, in Mississippi, there's no obligation to do so. Oh, it's a it's a not a bad idea, just so the officer if the officer comes across that they they expect it. It's not something that they uh, uh, are surprised with, and and they may have different instructions for you if you have a firearm. Uh, I probably would have, you know, if I was back in law enforcement, just because of the the danger that can come from the firearm, you know, really quickly. And again, the officer probably doesn't even know who they're dealing with. So it's not a bad idea to let them know that. Uh, but you do have a Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. Uh, I guess I could say if you're a felon and you have a firearm, you have no obligation to tell them that you have a firearm. So it uh, can get complicated. But generally, as far as safety, nothing to hide and all, it's not a bad idea. If I'm going to get pulled over, I do not want my officer to be jumpy. And I want him to be happy, even even if I might get uh, a, a ticket or something. I, I want him to be a happy officer and a calm officer. So I think if, if, I, uh, if I had something that even looked like a Nerf gun, I might mention it just so everybody was put at ease. Sure, sure. This is in legal terms. Now, not everybody has a chance to listen to our show live, so if you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. We're answering questions, but 
this show comes at you quick, uh, especially if you're in the car on the way to an appointment and you don't get to hear the whole thing. So if you'd like some extra information about driving under the influence, you could check out the Mississippi Bar website. That's msbar.org. And their page about driving under the influence, like, did you know? If a driver is under 21, they are defined as intoxicated if their blood alcohol concentration level is 0.02. So uh, anybody who's under 21, you better check your cough syrup or uh, because, of course, you wouldn't be driving with any alcohol. So, you know, be very careful about that. We're talking about driving under the influence today with our guest, Attorney Francis Springer from the Springer Law Firm. And ladies and gentlemen, we're so glad Ed Francis here and, and his perspective on this is really, really helpful. Um, I will say this. We talked about this during the break. Um, you know, there's really no excuse today to drive under the influence because there's so many uh, ride services that are available, uh, you know, just on your phone. You know, you just call them and they're there. And I think it's just uh, so we're not condoning driving under the influence at all as we talk about this subject today. And, and uh, you know, and um uh, but but talk a little bit about DUIs and what they are, for instance. Sure. Uh, DUI is, is a law that's, that varies from state to state, but generally all 50 states have the same uh, the limit. As Liz was saying, there is a limit. There's a percentage breath alcohol content that is what we call per se DUI, whether you can uh, really exhibit impairment or not. If your blood registers over, uh, like she said, for someone under 21, it's 0.02%. And the policy, public policy behind that is that person uh, is prohibited from having alcohol, period. So there shouldn't be any leeway there for uh, up to a 0.08. But for anyone 21 and over, uh, except commercial drivers, while they're driving, that's 0.04. But anyone else is 0.08 or greater. And that's what is called per se DUI. You're presumed to be DUI at that point. Uh, now, theoretically, you can be charged if they can prove impairment with less than 0.08 or with no uh, BAC report at all. But that's up for the officer then to be able to prove that impairment. But DUIs being in control of a vehicle or driving uh, while you're under the influence of alcohol or any other impairing substance. And, you know, it, it seems to me, I mean, that that uh, number, people should be aware that, that, you know, that'll vary depending on your weight and your gender. Uh, you know, that, that uh, you know, uh, women tend to metabolize alcohol differently than men. And, and also, you know, if you're uh, lighter weight, then your blood alcohol is going to get up there faster with fewer drinks. Uh, that's correct. Um, last time you had a meal, anything like that, there's so many variables that can come into play. It's really almost impossible to guess uh, what your breath alcohol content or blood alcohol content would be without a test. People, and what, what I can tell is people tend to guess on the low end and they're usually wrong. You know, that, uh, so again, it's uh, just call, you know, call a cab, get an Uber, get a lift. I think but, if you're um, getting to the point of guessing, you're probably over the limit. So it's, I mean, such an important point. Now, what about, okay, so if I am stopped, let's say I make the mistake and, I, and I've been drinking and I decide to get in my, my car and I don't call, you know, a ride service to pick me up. 
uh, or friend that, you know, who has been drinking to take me home. Can, can I refuse to take a breathalyzer test if I pulled over? Yes, you can. Uh, nothing in the law forces the breathalyzer test. Now, there are penalties if you refuse to take the test. There's an administrative penalty where your license will be suspended. Uh, but you, you don't have to take the breathalyzer. And that's either on the side of the road or uh, with the actual intoxilizer itself, usually down at the uh, police department, sheriff's office, or jail. But if you refuse to take the test, they're not going to let you just drive off from the stop, will they? Oh, no, no, not necessarily, because most officers, if they're going to get to the point of, of offering a breathalyzer, they have reason to believe this person's impaired. So if there's what's called a DUI refusal, which is refusing the breath test, that's still chargeable, and, and it's winnable. Uh, years ago, I had one, I uh, had a, a, a young kid that was taking prescription drugs, and I ran him on the intoxilizer just to see if he had any alcohol. It was .000, and he hired the best lawyer in Meridian, and unfortunately, uh, he still lost because I had I was able to prove his impairment. Well, around that. So the, the breathalyzer is a good tool, but it's not an absolute necessity. So it's uh, it's driving under the influence, but it's not necessarily the influence of alcohol. It's it's alcohol or any other impairing substance. Uh, and that is, is wide open. That could be anything from prescription medication to over-the-counter medication to illegal uh drugs that someone may have so it's really any impairing substance you know you mentioned prescription medication and i think you know a lot of people are on them i i always tell my wife at my age i you know i'm full up on pills before i start breakfast in the morning and i got it's hard to get it's hard to eat anything after that but um you know so some prescription medications can make you drowsy what if a person is not aware of it's the first time they've taken it and they're out on the road and they exhibit, uh, you know, uh, being under the influence, would that be a mitigating factor for them? Not necessarily. It's not necessarily a defense to the DUI. Uh, What people need to do if they're taking prescription medication, just see how it makes you feel before you ever get behind the wheel of a car. Um, And if you you get behind the wheel and you feel funny like you're not uh, yourself or you're impaired, pull over and call somebody. You know, pull over in a parking lot somewhere and call somebody to come get you. But I don't think the court's going to say, oh, well, you didn't know. So, you know, go home. You know, we love you. Uh, They may say we love you, but you're guilty if the officer can prove DUI. So just uh, because it's prescription, because you didn't know, that's not going to be a defense. And most prescriptions will say may cause drowsiness. Don't you know? Don't operate a vehicle uh, until you you know make sure that you're you know it doesn't cause drowsiness or something exactly. like that. Exactly. And what about we have medical marijuana now, right? So yes, and some states have legal marijuana. Um, can I be arrested for DUI or DWI driving while intoxicated? Uh, uh, Yes, you can. If you're under the influence of even medical marijuana, because that's technically a prescribed uh, medication, and it's an impairing substance, so that's not a defense either. It doesn't matter how you uh, got it or whether it's legal or not to have it. If you're impaired and driving, that's the problem. Do they still have the, I've never been stopped for DUI, do they still have the, like, walk the straight line and touch your nose like I've seen on TV yes. and movies? Yes, that's, that's called standardized field sobriety. And uh, it's it's a good indicator of impairment, and uh, officers are trained and certified on that. 
And the way they do the training, they actually have volunteers that come in and uh, partake of alcohol. And they get to various levels of uh, inebriation, I guess we could say. Uh, but there are key indicators there that really it's a, it's a pretty good, in my experience, it's a good indicator of whether someone is able to drive or not. We'll have to see where you sign up for that. And, of course, <laughs> that's just that like job. the breathalyzer. You know, you can refuse to do that as well. You don't yeah. have to do it. But if you refuse to do it, you no, don't More just red flags do. are going up yeah. for the officer. So, And there's other ways that they can, they can look at impairment. Uh, sometimes just how a person walks. You know, there's many other ways. So you're not really going to get around it if you don't do the field sobriety. Well, Francis, I'm, I'm one of those people that, and I always tell my, my, my children, you know, don't, if you're going to have a drink, because they're all now over 21, if you're going to have a drink, then get an Uber, get a Lyft, and we'll pay for it. I mean, that, you know, uh, but, but let's say I'm out on the road and I'm not the one drinking, but I see somebody, another driver that's exhibiting, you know, they're, they're, they're uh, swerving and doing things that would indicate they were probably uh, drinking. Should I call the police and report that? Uh, you can. I mean, that's that's a personal decision that uh, anyone would make. But if uh, if you feel like somebody's going to harm someone and they're out, uh, it's it's probably a good idea to call because one thing that probably will go through your mind is, hey, they could hurt somebody. Could they hurt my family? Do we need to get them off the road? So you can absolutely call that in. And it may be that the person's not under the influence of alcohol. They may be having a medical emergency or something like that. And to draw the attention of law enforcement to to be able to check on that uh, could be a great thing for them and everybody else on the road. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. Hey, we hope you listen to our podcast. Oh, subscribe to our podcast so it gets sent to your device anytime. Or you can also find MPB Think Radio recordings from the website mpbonline.org slash radio. So a person who is over 21 and gets a DUI, if there's anyone under 16 in the car, they could be guilty of child endangerment also. So I hope this hits home to anyone who considers driving after drinking and they've got a, a, a passenger in the car. We're talking about DUIs with our guest, Francis Springer, attorney at law. Yeah, Liz, you know, I'm always happy to hear. I've, I've, I've been in an Uber before. I, I quit drinking a while ago, um, so now I drink O'Doul's, uh, which is a non-alcoholic beer. And I did hear that if you drink like 50 of those, um, you might you might uh, become intoxicated because there's a touch of alcohol in them. But, uh, but, you know, when I think about people going to the Grove and, and tailgating and having a good time and going to the football games here, I've actually talked to an Uber driver. They say they're really busy. Uh, during football season. So I'm happy to hear that. And I hope that uh, people do uh, understand that you, you can really cause uh, a lot of destruction in people's lives if you, if you decide to drive drunk. I mean, it just takes that one mistake. So, um, Francis, you know, one of the things that now we ought to talk about is punishment, right? So if someone's arrested for DUI, what's, what's the possible punishment for that? Uh, there are tiers of DUI offenses. Uh... There's obviously, if a person gets arrested for their first offense, uh, they don't have any previous convictions. And the fine there by statute is $250 to $1,000. Uh, the judge can make that determination. 
uh, or 48 hours in jail. They can spend two full days in jail and uh, takes care of that. Or it could be both. The judge has the option of sentencing to both. Uh, there's a 120-day license suspension, and uh, that would be in addition of any administrative suspension for either testing over 0.08 or for refusing the test. And uh, then it goes up from there. Third offense within five years is a felony, and a fourth offense any time in one's life in Mississippi is a felony. But someone could spend time in jail for DUI. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Now, you're you're an attorney and you do criminal defense, and so when you're defending a DUI, I mean, what are the best arguments you you can make to try to keep someone from getting the maximum penalty? Are there are there any or these are these punishments automatic? It's it's difficult if someone can be shown to be impaired to have any defense to DUI. So really all the state has to prove is that the person was in control of the vehicle, uh, and they can be sitting just with the key in the ignition. It can be that simple. Um, and then they have to prove impairment. So obviously if there's no test result, that's a little bit better on the defendant's side. However, there's still, especially this day and time, there's video, and it's easy to get someone on video and, and show the court. Matter of fact, that was the case I had that I, I mentioned a few minutes ago is we had great video that showed this person was, was impaired. And uh, it's, it's getting more and more difficult to, uh, to win a DUI charge if it's a legitimate charge. That's kind of where it comes down to there. And uh, the legislature has taken this very seriously over the last uh, couple of decades. And uh, I can't say it's not justified because it's a very serious situation and people do die from it. Can you Can you – Call into question the calibration of the equipment. Oh yes, you can. Uh, it's it's very difficult because you don't have the the instrument there to check against the calibration. Uh, so the uh, Intoxilizer eight thousand calibrates itself, uh, but it is testable, and there are things that have to be done, and you potentially get the uh, the person to come in and testify to the instrument itself that it is working, and uh, you can always challenge that, but it's difficult to prove. Intoxilizer 8000. Oh, my. (laughs) That's a name. (laughs) And we've got a call. Let's go to Lisa in Tutwiler. Lisa, we're so glad uh, you're adding to our show. What's your question or comment for attorney Francis Springer? Okay. Well, I had an incident where my 18-year-old was, like, taking some folks home. And one of them was intoxicated and still had, like, his his pint of liquor in his hand and stuff like that. And we have a lot of roadblocks out here in Tutwiler because I'm right on 49 and 3. And um, I was inquiring with him being just 18, even though he's not the one drinking or anything, but when he parked a car at the house and I came up to the car for some reason, I saw this, you know, open container left in the car, actually, by the other person. And I said, you know, that's when I went in there on him about drinking. And he said, no, no, Granny, I haven't been drinking at all. That was so-and-so. I said, well, get it out the car, you know. And um, But if we had a roadblock and they were stopped and he's showing his driver's license, I'm sure the officer could see such. What what kind of penalty would that be with him only being 18 years old? 
Generally, the driver is in control of the vehicle, uh, so it's assumed uh-huh. it's assumed that the driver is aware of everything in the vehicle. Sometimes that's not the case. And now, if he, if his friend had gotten out and left that there, like you found it, and the officer sees that he could be uh, arrested for possession, uh, he'd be a minor uh-huh. in possession, unless the other person would come admit to the officer, "Hey, that was mine. It wasn't his." And in that case, the other person is going to be charged. So you'd have to have a really good friend to do that. Uh, but just in the situation you described, if he were caught with that, he could uh, likely be charged with minor in possession. Okay, then, because I'm trying to really impress on him a lot of stuff, you know, only being 18 because he's getting ready to go to college in Houston, which I know is, I'm sure is going to be a higher, you know, a lot more driving and everything else and not no laid back stuff like we have here in the Delta. But um, I, I just want to make sure. And, and that, that website y'all mentioned earlier um, that shows the, the point two zero, you know, the degrees of, of um, alcohol levels and stuff for 18-year-olds, under 21-year-olds. Uh-huh. Someone gave a website. I just happened to turn it on just as the website, something. I, I can't remember what it, it was. It's for the Mississippi Bar. It's msbar.org. And there's okay. there's tons of information on there. MS for Mississippi, msbar, B-A-R, dot org. In their consumer information, uh, they talk about uh, DUIs. Okay, okay, that's great. Now, I'll have him sit down and we'll go over that together just and to be sure. One, one thing before you go, oh, I, uh-huh. really, I really appreciate you taking interest in him like that. If more people did that, it would be a better world. And uh, I think that will benefit him greatly in the wrong run. Well, I thank you so much for that. I really do. And y'all have a good day, a great day. And I'm glad y'all had this on the show and I can listen to that because, you know, like I said, you know, things happen out here too much. And I just don't, I'm just trying to take care of my grandchildren. Appreciate that. (laughs) Thanks, Lisa. All right. Y'all have a good day. You too. Yeah. When my kids got old, we reminded them at 18, you can go to big boy jail. That's true, very true. It's it's not... uh, uh, On the situation, it could be before 18. Right, right. You need to be extra careful. And I'm so glad Lisa called because one one question I've got for for Francis would be, talk about that open container. So what's the law about an open container in a car? Because now in Oxford, um, I know they have it in New Orleans, but we have a drive-through daiquiri Bar. It's not real daiquiris. I think it's a, a malt liquor of some kind. Um, but I, I, so, what is the law about that? There's no law against an open container in a vehicle per se. Uh, obviously, though, if it's seen by law enforcement, especially if they're on a traffic stop or something, it is definitely going to intensify the encounter. Uh, and the driver shouldn't be partaking of any of that, and really shouldn't have it with them. But it's not uh, against the law in Mississippi to have an open container in a vehicle. We do have a call from Natchez. Francis, I hope you can answer this. It's a, not quite on the uh, uh, the driving drunk, but it is pertains to roads and especially for stops. Uh, Natchez, caller, what's your comment or question? Just wondering about uh, shades on the um, our windshields and the sides of our cars. You know, it's wonderful to have them black in the hot, you know. But um, what percentage is legal or has Mississippi made it where everybody can have the shades on their car? 
or is there a certain percentage or yeah actually that's something i haven't looked at in a while i haven't had anybody come to me with an issue like that since i've been practicing law and uh, since i was a deputy sheriff we were prohibited from enforcing that law uh but the best of my recollection it's still 35 percent uh and that's up to the highway patrolman or the municipal officer to to make that determination either with a, a uh, calibration gauge where they put it over the window and check it or just a comparison to uh, something they have so it's, it's definitely not just anything on there but i'll be honest with you i couldn't say if that's been changed or not prohibited from enforcing that's an interesting turn of phrase that's it's it's uh several things radar you know sheriffs can't uh deputy sheriffs can't run radar except oh. in Lowndes county they have an exception oh all right uh, so there, there are several things that the different agencies can do uh just because of where they are and who they are i know that that tenting we bought our car brand new from a dealer in mississippi and then we went to a mm, – we realized our car was out of inspection a f- quite a few l- years later. And we went, shall we say, a sketchy but the closest place to do an inspection. Right. And he said – the first thing he did was test the tent. And he said, ma'am, your tent is too dark. And like, one, I thought you just did the horns and the turn <laughs> signal. And two – what am I supposed to do about it? It came from the car, and he just said, well, okay. And then he didn't even test anything else. And yeah. I guess that's one reason they don't do inspections anymore. Well, the vehicle's yeah. supposed to have a, a tent sticker on it that shows it is in compliance. Oh, and, and they would do those when they did the inspections. So, And it, it also drives me up the wall when you see folks with license plates that have a either a frame so you can't see what count it is or a smoky cover where you can't see, you can't read the license yeah, plate. Those, that, those are generally illegal. See, uh, so that's going to be the probable cause for the traffic stop that gets the DUI. But see, I want my police officer to be happy. <laughs> First off, I try not to be a troublemaker, but if for some whatever reason they pull me over, I want them to be happy. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. And a lot of vehicles are, are recorded as they pass uh, counters, as they pass video, you know, crossing the, the bridge of the Mississippi River. You're probably going to have your tag recorded that you went through there. And those interfere with that as well. So they are they are illegal. Oh, so keep that in mind, folks. Try, try to live a clean life. But if you can't, call Francis <laughs> or get your questions answered. We've got a little bit of time left for questions to be answered. We take your questions on our email address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. Thank you for being part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show on the MPB Think Radio YouTube channel. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app where uh, you can read it. Uh, our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. At 11 a.m. Central on Tuesdays following our over-the-air broadcast, don't forget you can hear Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. So we've talked about what could happen if you're charged after a first offense of a DUI, but did you know that states talk to each other? So if you get a DUI in another state, Mississippi can still know about it. So uh, if you don't have a first offense, 
you can't have a second. We are talking with attorney Francis Springer uh, about DUIs, and you you got a little more information about the tinting, Francis. Uh, yeah, my uh, chief paralegal, who's also my wife, Frankie, is uh, fact-checking me as we go. And uh, I believe it's 28% instead of 35%, which is a little lighter. So that's on the tent. So I appreciate that. When we were in our minivan with the extra tent, uh, you know, when I was little, I always wanted to sit in the front seat. And then they were older. You know, they were born later where you couldn't sit in the front seat till you they're older. But nobody ever wanted to sit in the front seat because the front seat didn't have as much tint and they couldn't see their handheld video games <laughs> as well sitting in the front seat. So they like to sit in the very back where it was darker. I understand. Let's go. Uh, We've got a question from Jenny. Jenny, we're glad you've called in today. What is your comment or question? Pardon me. I just have a question about rules of the road um, regarding marijuana. Uh, You know, you've talked about alcohol and DUIs. um, But I'm just curious about what happens with you know, as someone who stopped and has marijuana in the car who, or who is under the influence. Um, and I'll hang up. I just was curious about that and um, interested to see what somebody has to say. Thanks for calling in. Okay, I think I understand what you were asking. Uh, marijuana is still contraband. It's still illegal to possess unless you have it from a legal means uh, in this state. Uh, just because you have legal means to have it in another state doesn't necessarily transfer to this state. So it has to be legal to possess under the laws of Mississippi. If it's possessed without that, it is a crime. could be a misdemeanor up to a felony, depending on how much it is. As far as proving impairment with uh, marijuana, currently the there's no real good test, kind of like a breathalyzer for for marijuana. So generally, if they can prove marijuana is in your system and prove that you're impaired, that's going to get you a, a conviction in Mississippi. So number one, don't drive if you've been uh, partaking of marijuana. But two, if you've got it in your system, whether you've been uh, partaking or not, and they can prove impairment, it's likely you're going to have a DUI conviction for that. Can I, can I just ask real quick, uh, Francis, what if, what if someone has a medical prescription for marijuana and they're driving and it's in the car with them, but they're not impaired? How do they how do they make sure that they're not, you know, if they're pulled over, they can uh, prove that that was uh, legal for them to have? You know, that's a, that's a question I don't really have an answer to. I've not experienced that yet, but I'm, I'm assuming there's a card or something of that uh, degree that they would need to possess and show to the officer because that question does need to be answered as quick as it can so if you're going to possess it uh, have something there that shows that it is legal to be in your possession let's take our last call for the evening it's james calling from livingston alabama james thanks for calling in legal terms in mississippi yes good morning how are you all doing great um my question is i grew up watching the dukes of hazard in the heat of the night, shows like that. And a lot of times the police officer is chasing someone and by us living close to the state, Mississippi, Alabama, I was just wondering, is it legal for them to chase that person on into the next state or do they just 
uh, stop the pursuit once they cross the state line. Thank you all. I'll be listening. Have a blessed day. Thanks, James. That's a good question that that comes up a lot. And obviously, y'all, I worked there in Lauderdale County, which was just across from you and Livingston on the state line. And we had that issue several times. Uh, but a, a pursuit can go as long as the officer is still in pursuit, can see the vehicle. They can go really anywhere. They can go into another state, uh, into a, a second state. Uh, we actually had one that came from Tuscaloosa to Meridian one time years ago. So they can extend. Now, the, what you run into there, there was once the arrest is made in another state, uh, there's extradition issues that come about. So they uh, basically have to have an extradition hearing to take that person back to the first state. Uh, but usually their charge is in the, the next state anyway. The only place I'm aware of that you can't continue a pursuit is on to uh, tribal lands. And uh, that's because that's a total, totally different jurisdiction of which the uh, tribal authorities would have to take control at that time. Very interesting. Well, we've got uh, a few minutes uh, left. We, we touched on just a little bit on some of the 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 punishments for DUI and you know we mentioned the there's a first and then I guess there's a second yeah second within five years okay and the fine there's increased and then there's uh more jail time it could be five days to six months um and with a second offense you could be sentenced to community service which is something that I think would be pretty effective if it can be carried out uh, 10 days to six months of community service. And uh, additionally, there's a one-year license suspension for a second. And a third, like we said, is a felony, third within five years, uh, punishable by one to five years in prison or $2,000 to $5,000 fine. Sometimes uh, you know, a DUI on someone's record could be could be really uh, you know harmful to them in terms of job search as well and, and things like that. Could that could a DUI ever be expunged? In Mississippi, one DUI can be expunged uh, if a sample was given. Uh, refusal, you can't get a uh, an expungement with a refusal. But if you test positive under point one six and you've complied with everything else that's part of the sentence of the court, uh, you can get that expunged. And with our show, I absolutely am thrilled that we give people the chance to call in and we present information about you and your rights to learn, you know, what your your rights are. I, I personally would feel uh, I hadn't done my job if I hadn't mentioned that uh, both Professor Gershon and I and Francis have all talked about how uh, drunk driving has caused deaths and sorrow in our, each of our families. And if a community service or a $1,000 fine or 48 hours isn't a deterrent for you to drive after alcohol, I, you know, I hope you'll talk to your family and say, hey, have we ever had any family members that have had, you know, any kind of incident like that? Because it it has repercussions for generations. Exactly. And, and everybody needs to be in a position, especially with their kids, where their kids can be honest with them, call them, say, look, I've had a little too much to drink. I don't want to drive. Uh, take care of them first. Get them somewhere safe first and then deal with whatever you have to deal with there. And, I, you know, I joke about keeping the, the, the trooper and the officer happy. But, you know, we want you to have your rights respected 
So uh, that's just everybody needs to play along right. It's a, it's a fine line because we do have rights uh, in this country, but we also have to have uh, order. So those, it's a fine line. Yes, and we, well, we we have our courts. We want everybody to be ethics, which they teach at the University of Mississippi School of Law. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, Francis. Thank Francis you. Springer Thank for you, being Gerson. on our show. We appreciate you coming in. It's my pleasure. We uh, we think you're great. You've got such a great perspective, and you always bring a wonderful information for us. So that's wrapping us up for today's In Legal Terms. We thank our board engineer and podcast producer, Abram Nanny, and our phone screener, Jermaine Flood. So for Professor Richard Gerson, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Liz Gill. We hope you join us next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. We'll be right back.